Welcome back to the Fins Nation UK podcast. We're here for another episode as we talk all things Miami Dolphins. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm this week joined by a first time on the podcast. If you know British NFL content creators who do a lot of analysis, you may want to know this guy's voice. I've got with me today part of the Undrafted Network, Alex Buck. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Love what you're doing for the uh Finns Nation guys, I know a lot of them very well. So uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Talk about the NFL draft should be good. Yeah, should be a good episode. And you know, this has been a great start to the series. You know, we've had OJ with Duffy's been on, and we got some other former players that I think are going to come on um, when I'm back from Thailand, end of May. Uh, I think it's going to be a good a good summer. And then going into the season itself, we're going to you know do weekly podcasts previewing or reviewing how Dolphins do each week. Um, and of course, th- this episode is all about the NFL draft. So we. All know the Dolphins don't have a plethora of picks like we had before or other teams do this year. But we're going to go through the four picks the Dolphins have. And we're all both going to give one player each we think the Dolphins could draft or should draft in that position. And of course, at the end, I pick three players who could go who will go in the first round. And we're picking our destinations for those players. So if you like your neutral stuff as well about the NFL, that one's for you at the end. But before we do all of that, as your first time on, on the podcast, Alex... We'd like mm-hmm. to ask you, what made you a Miami Dolphins fan? Oh, um, so I was very close to being a Seahawks or a Packers fan. And that was mainly because those two, I, I got into the NFL by playing Madden. And those two were the two brightest uniforms that kind of stood out to me when I knew nothing about the NFL. We're going back kind of 12, 13 years now. Um, and then I've always kind of, I went to Florida a lot as a kid, uh, kind of grew up you know, wanting to go back to the US and Florida, obviously East Coast made a lot of sense. Uh, And then my first game was a London game in Derek Carr's rookie year between the Dolphins and the Raiders. So it's kind of a toss up between those two. I was like, I'm just going to pick, you know, it makes more sense being, you know, I've been to Florida, kind of probably go back there as an adult, easier to get to than Oakland at the time. Um, So kind of landed there and uh, definitely made the right choice. So yeah, been a Dolphins fan ever since. Uh, get into it a lot on Twitter with uh, various Dolphins fans and things, probably more than I should sometimes. But uh, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I love the Dolphins with everything I have. So um, yeah, huge fan, big Tua fan. Um, and we'll see uh, we'll see what this season looks like. And of course, me and you are quite unique to Finns Nation UK that most of the fan base got into Dolphins because of Dan Marino and they're of a certain age. Yeah. But me and you are more of the younger parts of Finns Nation UK. So in terms of for you, Alex... Who do you say stands out as maybe your favourite Dolphins player since you've been a fan of the team? Uh, well, the first like few years, well, most of the years that we've been Dolphins fans have been pretty tragic. Um, <laughs> you know, we've gone these last couple of years, things have changed for us quite dramatically, right? Because we've gone from supporting the likes of, you know, aging players that have come over like Brandon Marshall, um, that kind of, you know, towards the end of their career into now having guys like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, you know, we have a really kind of talented roster and we're, you know, seeming going all in to try and like win now. Um, I mean, Tua has been my guy. Um, I would be lying if I said that I was into any other player as much as I am with Tua. 
that was mainly because I watched him all the way through high school. I loved him at Alabama. And then when it came to the draft and he got hurt and it was all up and down and then we lost to the Bengals. Uh, sorry, no, we beat the Bengals, which meant that we fell behind them in the draft and all sorts of things. It was a very kind of chaotic time, you know, for me in that I wanted us to get to her and he was going to be the number one pick that year. And when we beat the Bengals, we missed out and all of this. Then the Joe Burrow surge and he went number one and we ended up, you know, getting to her um, through after all of that anyway. So I'm a big tour guy, but I love Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle has been brilliant for us. Uh, the Tyree Kill trade, obviously that worked out really well for us. Um, and I think Javon Holland is one of the most underappreciated players who should really jump out, particularly this year in a Vic Fangio defense. Uh, I think he's going to be a big guy for us this year as well. So um, I've always loved my secondary defensive players. Uh, I think Javon Holland is is really going to be something kind of in this league. So, uh, yeah. So you're big to a guy. I can see why you and Martin didn't get on so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in on tour and I've believed in him from the jump and I think we've not given him a fair crack. And obviously the franchise has been pretty rough on him, you know, with the whole, you know, Brian Flores, it never really felt like a good fit. Um, then we hired, you know, an old defensive coordinator who preferred Ryan Fitzpatrick. We've had a terrible offensive line. Um, you know, I think Tua's got a bad rap with the media, uh, which is projected onto NFL fans in general that just kind of hate on Tua for sort of no reason. And he's just like the nicest guy, like, you know, and he's never put a foot wrong. He keeps his head down. He works really hard. Uh, and I think he's, you know, I would love to see him prove everybody wrong more than kind of more than anything else. So, um, yeah, I've been in his corner and I will remain there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I certainly think this year he is me. I think he's one or two players, but I think he he is my tip right now to win comeback player of the year. Um, mm. I'm not sure whether Hamlin will actually play much. But I think two will be playing every week, and of course he's a quarterback, and they they get the headlines in that sense. And I'm also I'm loving his new look. I'm loving the um, little tash he's got at the moment. He's um, <laughs> it, looks, it looks really cool. I like it. So um, yeah, hopefully he sticks All with it. We just need, he just needs a healthy season. Just like the the poor guy has been, and I know people say like, you know, he's injury prone at this and that, but like I studied his kind of college injuries and he suffered freak injury after freak injury. You know, he had a an ankle injury where an offensive player landed on his ankle. Um, you know, he had the injury where he broke his nose and the hip all at the same time, um, which is just a freak incident, you know, like you're not going to see that very often, um, but he, you know, battling back from that, you know, he kind of had to get the strength back in his legs again, you know, learn to throw again, all these things, right as the NFL draft was approaching. Um, I think he's had a really tough time with it. And then these concussions this year came out of nowhere. You know, the one against the Buffalo Bills, I was at that game, you know, sort of just stumbles backwards and it doesn't look like much. And then all of a sudden he gets a concussion. Um, and then the Bengals game, you know, we were watching that game live and just like the the way he hit his head on the ground, you know, anybody would come out of that with a, with a concussion. It's just the poor guy has just had such terrible luck and our fan base has kind of struggled to get behind him as a result. Um, and I think that's a shame. I think he's the, one of the most talented players we're going to see in a Dolphins uniform. It's hard to find quarterbacks that are as accurate, you know, well-timed as he is, you know, he, he fits the system really well with Mike McDaniel doing a really good job in that system. He's like, people forget very quickly. He's on, on par for an MVP season last year. Um, and then, you know, injuries and then, goes down, comes in, comes back out again, you know, just like he just needs one healthy season for the whole year to be able to kind of prove to everybody that he can absolutely play in this league. Um, and when you really sit down and watch the tape, you can see it. You can see that he, you know, in the right system with the right coaching, which he finally has now, you know, two wide receivers that he can really rely on, build a relationship with. Um, I think if he's healthy for a whole year, 
then we'll we'll really kind of see what he's capable of doing. Yeah, and I think we all saw in that Packers game how good he was in that first half before the good clash. Yeah. And I, I was at that Bengals game and that was just one of the worst things I've experienced at any sports event. I mean, you know, I've 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 driven I've driven in the car for four hours to watch Liverpool draw nil nil, but to watch <laughs> um to watch to uh, yeah. to go to be in Cincinnati, you know, you got hopes of going four 0 you know, yeah. it's a great atmosphere. We we was great there, but that injury just killed it for both teams. I mean, the atmosphere yeah. was was incredibly loud and before the, I think before the game, but in terms of that injury when it happened, no one knew at the time what was going on in the field. It was all one of those things where you know, it, it's, it's thank God for social media because we knew exactly yeah. in a few minutes what was going on, and we all we all knew because it didn't look that bad when we were, you know, when when the first hit came down, no one thought yeah. that was a concussion. Everyone thought it's a big hit. He's down for a few seconds. He'll get back up. He's absolutely fine. And what transpired obviously wasn't the case. And when when I came home, got back into my Airbnb and saw the saw the video of it, yeah, horrible stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think he. His his numbers when he actually plays is pretty incredible. So um, I'm mm-hmm. hoping this year. I I don't think I think if he plays the whole year, I think playoffs is almost a lock. If it wasn't for having so many good AFC quarterbacks, yeah. I think yeah. um yeah I think that he provided he's healthy and everyone around him stays healthy. He's got a Tyreek Kill, Jalen Waddle, and we have good obviously good protection from the other line, which is a big if. Uh, I, I think that. I yeah, think it should be fine. Um, so going into our picks, of course, Dolphins have four picks in this year's draft. So they have the first pick is round two, uh, pick fifty-first overall, as well as yeah. round eighty-fourth overall, uh, round six, one hundred ninety-seventh overall before round seven, two hundred thirty-eighth overall. So we're going to start with round two, uh, pick fifty-one. Alex, which player do you think Dolphins should take with that selection? Uh. So, so I have a few, um, and you know we can, depending on how much time we have, we can kind of talk about them or talk about the situation. But I think, um, for one, I think the Dolphins have largely not dodged a bullet because it would have been nice to have a first round pick. But as NFL drafts go and pools of players go, this year is one of the better years that we could have faced that punishment to lose the first overall pick because, um, you know, as it's kind of developed, like the. Um, some of the GMs have come out and said that this is a really weak class for first round talent. Um, it's a QB heavy class, so those kind of those teams are going to be fighting over QBs in the first round anyway. Um, so we don't need to get involved in any of that. And then most of the talent in the first round is wide receivers and edge rushers, which are the probably the two of the most the main things, barring maybe a cornerback, that we absolutely don't need. So that's not as much of an issue. Um, and then moving into the second round. You've got a lot more edge rushes. There are more running backs coming off the board. And the things that we actually need in the draft, which my argument would be we have to fix the right-hand side of the offensive line. We need a tight end. And I would argue that we need a linebacker. So we can address one of those three needs uh, in the second round. Uh, and I have a player for each of them. So we can kind of go through it if you want to. But Yeah, let's do it. Uh, my The main player or the number one player that I think we should be picking up is uh, Dewan Jones right tackle, um, six foot eight, six foot eight, 360 pounds. Um, and he broke the record at the senior bowl for the longest wingspan of any player recorded in the history of the, of the senior bowl itself. So the, the guy is absolutely huge. And the thing with him is like, so he's graded as an early second round pick. Um, but if you think about the Dolphins, we're the only team in the NFL that have a left-handed quarterback, which makes Dewan Jones far more valuable to the Dolphins 
than he would be to any other team in the NFL. Because, you know, blindside protection, we've got Teron Armstead on the other side, and he's phenomenal, great player. I love Teron Armstead, but he's not the blindside blocker for Tua. That's the right-hand side. And we played three different tackles at right tackle last season. You had, uh, I think, Austin Jackson started there, uh, and then we moved on to Greg Little. And then from Greg Little, we moved on to, what's his name? I always forget this guy's name. Brandon Shell. Brandon Shell, that's right. So Brandon Shell gave up 40 pressures in 13 games last season playing at right tackle, which to put into context, you had Teron Armstead playing left tackle, gave up 16 pressures all season. So more than double the amount playing at right tackle. Um, and that's to his blindside protection. And if you think about what we're going into this season with, we have a great roster, we're in a win now situation, and we're a team that, you know, it's all about Tua's health. This year, everything, our whole season rides on whether Tua can stay healthy. So you cannot have the weakest part of the entire roster be the right-hand side of the offensive line. It just can't happen that way. So we have to do something about that. And I'll be really disappointed if we go into the season kind of allowing that to happen. But the problem is that Dewan Jones is not going to be there for us at pick number 51 when it comes to us being on the board. So for that to happen, we would have to trade our way up into either the very late first round or the early second round in order to get him. So that poses a problem because we don't have the draft capital necessarily to be able to do that. We've only got four picks this year. Uh, I believe we've only got four picks next year as well, um, which might be a first and second rounder. But ideally, you want to be giving up like your 51st pick and maybe a fourth or fifth rounder to move up eight, nine spots to be able to make sure you get your guy, right? So he should be the guy that we're going for because that, to me, is the most critical need that we have on the roster. Um, he's got a lot of experience, two-year starter playing at right tackle. He's so big that he just consumes defensive linemen. Like, his tape is absolutely brilliant to watch. And I think, for me, you know, it's hard to get excited about offensive linemen sometimes, but if he was the guy that we drafted, like, you should... like Dolphins fans should be having a party to celebrate that pick because it changes everything for us offensively. You get blindside protection, two is protected on the right-hand side. And like, for me, we've watched Dolphins games for the last two seasons now, like through our fingers in the hope that the right tackle is not going to give up another huge blow to the quarterback. We've seen it happen timeless, like time and time again. Um, you know, we can finally kind of give up on needing to trust Austin Jackson to kind of cover that role can slip him into kind of depth at guard. Liam Eikenberg hasn't played well at right tackle either. There's a reason they kicked him inside to guard. So we just can't keep like this. This is our franchise quarterback. You have to do something. And if that means giving up a little bit of extra draft capital to get that right, fix it, get six for eight. It's like Makai Becton, right? The New York Jets first round pick. They went for Makai Becton because the guy is a man mountain. Like, so for me, that would be the primary pick. That's where I would go first. Yeah, hopefully he's not as injury prone as Mackay Becton, but um, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I'm giving mine away a little bit, but I'm going for a guy purely on talent more than position of need. But mm -hmm. I think in terms of that, I think that I think it goes further back from two. I think even the Tannehill days, we had no real good protection on on his yeah. blind side. So I think that it's been for, for as long as I've known the Dolphins, been a fan of watching them. I think O-line and running back, especially, been two positions, except for that one year we had Jay Ajayi when he was smashing it. Those two mm -hmm. have really never really been a thing I've seen um, be good in Dolphins. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is the biggest area of need. I think right tackle is our biggest need. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, I've I've gone for a running back, Jameer Gibbs. I think if he's there, okay. if he falls, I think 10 years ago, he would not even be anywhere near 
say I think it'd be a first round if, if it was 10 years ago, but the position, position's changed so much that yeah. I think he could fall as far back as um, 51st overall. And I think if he's there, I think you'd take him because he's had, he, he can do it all. He's a classic modern day do-it-all running back. He's got, you know, two over 2,000 yards on the ground with 15 touchdowns. And when it comes to the ground game, he's got, I think, an extra ended yards in his college career from from catching it as well. So he is a guy that I... I love her. I think while B. John Robinson is the player I think it's best, I think Jameer Gibbs is the one I've watched the most and gone wow. And I think mm-hmm. that from looking at mock drafts and looking at sort of how the positions change and how recent drafts have gone in that position, I do think that we have a chance. Whilst I do think if he goes, I think you go offensive line. I think, you know, even if it's a guard, I think you take some sort of protection. But I think a right tackle should be our biggest need. But I think even if, say, Juan go, Jones goes or someone else we like in that yeah. I think you can go somewhere else in, in the line. I think any protection you can give to her, the better. Because I think really, there's not many good O linemen even aside from right tackle in our in our uh, in our line. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think if if it's not if it's not O line, if it's not running back, uh, I think unless someone really good falls, I think I'll be a bit disappointed. We, we I think maybe we would waste that pick. Um, you mentioned other players you had. He liked in that um in that round two position. Um who yeah. are the players? So um so sticking with the O line, another one might be a little bit of a sort of outside the box pick is uh the Ohio State center, uh Luke Whipler. So he's a little bit undersized. Uh, I think he's six foot two. He doesn't have the longest arms in the world, but he's a really stout center. He's he's too small to kick out to guard. He wouldn't be able to play in a guard position. But for our offense and the way our offense works, Luke Whipler from Ohio State is a perfect fit for what we do offensively, which is a lot of pulling the guards out, running the ball outside, getting Raheem Mostert. And if we draft a running back, getting out behind them, you know, Mike McDaniel's offensive run scheme is one of the best in the NFL. It's one of the reasons that he was put forward for a head coaching position. He did amazing things with the San Francisco 49ers with moving guards around and um, pulling pin and pull and all the things, pushing the running backs outside and those sorts of things and blocking tight ends, bringing George Kittle in on that. Um, but Luke Whipler would mean that we could like, so you're absolutely right. And we have multiple issues on the offensive line, right? And one of those is that at the moment we have both Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg projected as starters. Eikenberg's playing left guard, Austin Jackson playing right tackle. I just don't see that we can go into the first week of the season with both of those guys in the starting five. I just don't see why, why we would do that. And if, if that means that we have to go out and trade a future pick for, say Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay to come in and play as a veteran tackle. We could do that. You know, we've tried so many different things to kind of paper over the cracks with Greg Little. We bought in Eric Fisher last year, former Colts tackle. That didn't pan out. Uh, Solomon Kinley stepped in there for a while. He's now with the Giants, you know, so we've got like offensive linemen in and out all over the place where we just need to kind of solve the issue. So if we went and got Luke Whipler, that would mean you could put Connor Williams um, back at guard. And then you could move Liam Eikenberg out of the position. You could try him again at right tackle. You could do different things. Um, but Whipler is a really good, like really good looking prospect for the center position, particularly for us. Gets out in space really well, gets downfield blocking linebackers really well, would be out in front of the run game. Kind of plays a little bit like Jason Kelsey does with the Eagles. You know, he's out in space all the time, kind of dominating linebackers and things. The only thing with him is he's not he's not a mauler. He's not going to pancake people but he's a stout blocker and he can hold his ground. And in our offense, you know, two is throwing the ball downfield to Tyreek Hill, who's 30 yards down the field within two and a half seconds. So if he can hold his blocks, 
stand people up in front of him, get out in space and block for the running backs. I really like him too. Um, the only other one, and then we'll obviously move on, but the only other one that I was talking about was um, Jack Campbell, who is prototypical middle linebacker, like through and through from Iowa. Now, if you're looking at Vic Fangio's defense, he's always got linebackers in primary positions. The linebackers are playing in all of his schemes revolve around, you know, he'll, he'll play two high safeties and, and he tries to, Vic Fangio tries to poke people into running the football because it looks good. So he'll move players around, bring the safeties deep, make it look like it's uh, and and try and get quarterbacks to check down into run plays. So, you know, change it the line of scrimmage, looks like a run play is good. He'll call a run play. And then when they do that, Fangio's got a lot of movement on the defense to bring safeties down into the box, to bring linebackers in to close gaps, those sorts of things. And at the moment, when I look at our depth at linebacker, you know, we've got Jerome Baker. Uh, we brought in Long, the former Titan, to play middle linebacker. And then we have Duke Riley and Channing Tindall, who was the rookie from last year, who hasn't really played yet. Um, but I read something about that, that the Dolphins were aware that both him and Eric Ezukama weren't going to play as rookies, that they were kind of long-term projections. Uh, so maybe we see more of Tindall this year, but I'm just not convinced in Vic Fangio's defense, which is a prototypical 3-4 defense that sometimes features a sole linebacker playing, a like because he'll bring, say, six guys down onto the line of scrimmage and leave a single linebacker to kind of plug the gap. Whichever gap the running back chooses, the linebacker plugs the gap. I don't know that we have the strongest run defense run linebackers that we could have. So Jack Campbell projected as kind of a mid second round pick. If he does happen to be there, I could see him being somebody that we look at for that reason. I think, you know, we paid Vic Fangio a lot of money to come and be a defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. He's going to run his system. So Jack Campbell would be the kind of player that would really kind of elevate that. Fills the gap really well. Um, I watched one play against Michigan where he was playing against a, uh, a QB pitch and kind of closed down the QB's angle perfectly and forced the handoff or forced him to pitch it to the running back. And by the time the running back had the football in his hands, Jack Campbell was on him, like in his face, you know, and he played both players by himself. And he's, he's just the kind of guy that you, that you kind of want to want to have on a defense like that. If it's, if it's all focused around trying to pressure teams into running the football and then you shut them down with linebackers like Jack Campbell, who's, who's just like your prototypical hard-nosed linebacker plays like Luke Keekley does you know he's just going to throw himself at the football he's going to he's going to pin running backs at the line of scrimmage you know he's he's not going to give up easy yards um I think he's really productive and he's the sort of player that could be like a difference maker for us on defense and and I think without having a first round pick we have to that second round pick has to be an impact player it has to be somebody that can play for us this season you know we're in win now mode so if that means that we have to trade the pick and and give like if we gave up the second and the third rounder for example to move into the late first round to draft somebody that would absolutely be a home run hitter starter for us this season whether that's Jameer Gibbs if, if we decide it's a running back or an offensive lineman or Dewan Jones or somebody like that that's the sort of thing we should be looking at doing because whatever we do this year it can't be like a Channing Tindall situation where they're like well he's a good potential player but in a couple of years they have to be players that can play now yeah, I agree. And I think that it's not exactly like it's a team that is rebuilding. I think we're a team that is in yeah. winning mode. Hence why, you know, we did gave the draft picks away for Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb and all that and tried to get Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Exactly. So, yeah, and I think it's one I thought maybe I think we could still get into the first round. I think, you know, there's Bengals there at twenty eight. I mean, they 
you could easily trade up with them, for example, and get an O-lineman such as Joe Tipman. But I think you can probably still get, from what you told me just then, and the player I found as well in Jameer Gibbs, I think that, you know, there's still a chance that we can get an absolute stud in round two. But moving on to round three, I want to start with two players I've grown to like through watching film. Um, on the second place, I, I think there's one guy I love more, but the guy I love just behind him, and I do want to try and avoid pronouncing the name wrong, but I'm going to go <laughs> for um, Zach Coons. <laughs> if, if you see how he's saying himself, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, I've gone for Damn tight end. I've gone for tight end in both positions. Um, so the guy I love the most is Tucker Craft. Uh, but the yeah, second guy I love is um is Zach that word. I mean, looking at that, they're both. I mean, look, I'm looking at a tape. I mean, Zach basically reminds me of Mike Kaziki. Uh, I think they're actually they're both actually similar to they haven't got great blocking um sort of reports, and I think that could be a worry in terms of that's probably why we got rid of Mike Kaziki in the first place. But um, they're they're both sort of they're big boys, both of them. I mean, it's they're both. It's like a George Kittle and Travis Kelsey mole in terms of society, they're both just mm. massive. I mean, yeah, looking at, he had 862 yards in college, seven touchdowns, which is pretty good for tight end. But yep. the guy I like the most is Tucker Craft. Um, 2020, yep. only played two games. Now I can only assume that's down to COVID. 2021, he had 773 yards and six touchdowns, and then 348 and three touchdowns in 2022. Looking at the guy, yeah, he's very hard to tackle. He's he's so strong, mainly because of his size. Yep. Um, but again, it comes down to blocking. And I think that, um, obviously, you probably know more than I do since of watching his tape. But from what I've seen from highlights and certain tapes, that is seems to be the issue for both these players. And But if you're looking at from the offensive side of view, a point of view, and you look at their tape, some of the touchdowns they're getting and some of these yards after catch they're gaining as well, um, is quite incredible. Um, so I yeah. think that my pick would be T- Tucker Craft, and I think he's a third round projected pick anyway. And I think he actually was in one of the mock drafts actually going to the Dolphins. So mm-hmm. it'll be a guy that they take with this pick. And I think that high end is something we need. I think that Durham Smythe can do a job, but I don't think he's a guy you look to if you want to, you know, if you're going to win win championships. I think that whilst yeah. Craft may not be the answer. I think he may all be an upgrade in terms of the offensive side of things that he would offer in comparison to the likes of um, Durham Smythe. But for yeah. you, Alex, um, what players took your fancy in the third round? So um, I actually, I, I love Tucker Craft as well. I think he's, um, you know, watching this tape, I think the issue is that he's, is the level of competition he played against, right? Because he plays um, in the subdivision um, for the Jack Rabbits. Um, but his tape, like you said, was is brilliant. He's like, I mean, when you watch him, he's one of these kind of picks the football up and he's just going to bundle through people and force his way through contact and get downfield. He's a seam threat. He's a great pass catcher. One of the most natural pass catchers, I think, in this year's class. He's very athletic for his size. Like He's the kind of player, I think, if he falls to us in the third round, I think we absolutely need a tight end. You know, Durham Smythe had 16 catches last year, I think it was, you know, and that was despite him being on the field more because Mike Kosicki's not a blocking tight end. He wasn't seeing much action. And if Durham Smythe is still only getting 16 targets, then that tells me either he's not a separator, can't create enough space to pick up catches and make things happen. He might be a red zone target for us, but he's not going to be like, you know, 40, 50 receptions from the tight end position. You know, maybe he can block, but the Dolphins ideally need somebody who is a capable blocker who can also play for us in the past game. You know, Mike Kosicki didn't get on the field because he can't block at all. He's not even, you know, a capable blocker. He's just the sort of guy who can't kind of 
can't challenge in that way. And there's a reason he's no longer with the team, right? But when you look at the depth at the tight end position now and how important that was to the Niners with George Kittle and some of the depth they had using fullbacks in those situations and things, we absolutely need another tight end. Um, I've seen that Sam Laporta is the is the favorite in the second round. So us using the first pick that we have on Sam Laporta, but he's not a great blocker either. So that doesn't make sense to me. You know, Sam Laporta is great. You know, they use him on screens. They use him on short catches and things. And he's great after the catch. One of the best tight ends after the catch in what's a really deep tight end class this year. But I think, you know, I, I don't see that the tight end position is the most important thing for us this year. I don't see why we would prioritize that over the offensive line. I would rather get a running back than a tight end in the second round. Someone like Devin A. Chain or Zach Charbonnet or somebody like that would be better for me. I don't know why we would, you know, we did the whole Mike Kosicki experiment, paid him the franchise tag and then released him. Why would we then, because people are saying Sam Laporta gives me, you know, reminds me of Mike Kosicki. Okay, then why are we drafting him? You know, that doesn't make sense because there's a reason that, that he's no longer with the team. So Tucker Craft is a more capable blocker. You know, he's he's got the, he might not be the best blocker in the world, but he's one of those like dirty players who's going to get in there and just do a job. You know, he might not block you with a perfect technique, but he's going to throw his body at you and get in the way. And that's the main thing. You know, like we can teach the technique. It's the willing and the can-do attitude to do it and that sort of thing. You know, he's an underdog. He comes from the subdivision. He's not getting as many looks. You know, I think if he was playing for Alabama, he'd be a first-round pick because of the talent he has on tape. You know, so that's, you know, and then he was injured in 2022 as well. I think he had an ankle injury. So the, the games that he did play in 2022... He was playing hurt. He wasn't 100%. But again, that's the kind of player he is. He's the sort of guy who wants to be on the field. Looks like a guy that loves to play football. So I would be over the moon if he's the if he's the guy we went for in round three. I think the only question there is whether he's going to be available. So I'm not 100% sure. I think he could be a late second round pick. So whether he gets to us in round three could be a tough one. But I'd like to see Greer kind of move up and down for these players if we needed to. You know, if we jump up a few spots in round two and come up a few spots in round three, the, the trouble is the draft capital. We just don't have the capital to freely move around the draft like we have done in previous years. So I'm not sure what we do there, but I think that's uh, I think that's an excellent pick for us. Um, the one I was looking at, so I know you went for Jameer Gibbs in round two, um, but I would like to see us go Dewan Jones or Jack Campbell in round two. Uh, and then... Uh, Tajay Spears in round three. Uh, so also a running back, uh, but a running back who um, had 19 touchdowns last season. So led the country uh, in touchdowns last season. Uh, the one drawback to his game is that he's not necessarily the most athletic. Uh, he's not he's not got like home run speed, um, but he's he's got a lot of wiggle to his game. Kind of reminds me of LaShawn McCoy. He's really sort of, he can set up defenders. So he like meets a linebacker in a gap can really send a linebacker one way and create space for himself without kind of having to follow blockers. So I really like that about him. He's really productive in the red zone. You know, 19 touchdowns proved it. He had over a thousand yards last season after contact. So after contact, like he's, I think he was 1,400 yards or something. I had the numbers here somewhere um, in total, but over a thousand of those yards came after contact, either at the line of scrimmage or meeting a linebacker or whatever it might be. Um, he went to the Senior Bowl. He was the most impressive player at the Senior Bowl. He won the Senior Bowl Practice Player of the Week or something. So, you know, clearly if he's standing out amongst the crowd at the Senior Bowl in front of everybody, the coaches would have loved him. It improved his draft stock a lot uh, in doing that. He's a willing blocker, will throw his body in. You know, again, might not be the best blocker in the world, but he's one of those players who's going to he's gonna contribute, you know, who's going to put his body into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
4.45 yards per carry, which was fifth in the country, uh, and 75 missed tackles. And he's a pass catcher. So he's a natural pass catcher. And while I love like Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson and what they've done for us, it's the same as the Miles Gaskin thing. They're not starting running backs. Like Miles Gaskin was a seventh round pick out of Washington who was undersized. You know, I loved him as a player, but, and I would have loved him. And I still love Miles Gaskin. I have a lot of love for Miles Gaskin, but he's not a prototypical starting running back in the NFL, you know, like, and there's a reason he was a seventh round pick. And there's a running back two or three that comes in for some reps, you know, does some things in the past game, a bit like Kenny Gainwell does for the Philadelphia Eagles. He has a role there, 100%, but he's not a starting running back. And I haven't seen that from, you know, I love Raheem Mostert too, got a ton of speed, can really kind of damage teams with his speed, but I don't, he's not a 20, 25 carrier game running back, you know, so, and if we're going to do that, we need to mix it up a little bit and have some guys that can do different things. And I think Tajay Spears is a guy who could come in and be like 18, 20 carries a game, can run between the tackles. It's not where he suits best. He's better as kind of a zone run scheme, getting outside, running behind the tackles, getting downfield behind the guards and kind of following blockers that way. But I think if we're going to go running back in what's a really deep running back class, you've got a lot of talented running backs. Uh, Kendra Miller out of TCU is another one that I really like. He's really, really talented. And I was gutted when he went down and missed the national championship game because he'd been one of the sparks for that TCU team all season last year. And then they missed him really badly when it mattered the most. Um, but I really like him. I like Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I like Devin A. Chain a lot. He's more of a burner, speed guy. Um, so I think with the depth at running back, if we can get you know O-line or linebacker in the first round or in, in what's our first round, the second round, um, and then address the running back situation in round three, that would be kind of where I would sort of sit with that. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I think that Charbonnet is a guy I looked at as well. He's a guy... I've even took one of my rookie drafts on fantasy football, so he's a guy that yeah. I think I think could be something good. But um, but we are going to move on now to round six. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. And when you come back, we'll go through Mammy's last two picks. See you guys in a sec. And welcome back to the Fins Nation UK draft special. So we've done rounds two and round three. We are now heading to the later parts of the draft. Our next pick is all the way into round six and 197th overall. So Alex, which players are you liking for this pick? Uh, so obviously it depends what we do with the first two picks. I think if we haven't grabbed, um, you know, we're in round six and seven, you're looking for upside, right? Just like guys that can maybe come in and you've seen something in them that could develop into them being like a long-term starter potentially. So I think if we don't grab a running back in round two or three, we'll probably look at one of the depth guys, maybe somebody like Travis Dye in round six, our USC. Um, but if we have grabbed a running back or if we've already kind of addressed the other positions that we've talked about, um, I like Jonah Tavai out of San Diego State, uh, interior defensive line. Um, and again, the reason for that is looking at Vic Fangio's scheme and the way he uses and utilizes the front seven um, to create, you know, make things look he uses a lot of disguises a lot of different things to kind of make things look like they're open for offenses and like we talked about earlier checking down into runs and things like that uh, but Jonah Tobias kind of he's a little undersized which is probably why he's going to fall later in the draft um, but he's used to playing in a three front uh, so we can play in a three front scheme 
Um, and he can also, he's, like, he's really versatile. So you could play him at nose tackle, you could play him at the A-gap, or you could play him in, in, in different variations on either side of that as well. So he obviously wouldn't be a starter and we don't need him to be a starter either because we have, you know, Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins are really going to benefit from playing with Vic Fangio and playing in Vic Fangio's defense. Um, but a little bit more depth there, you know, and I think in general, barring maybe the secondary, I think, you know, because we added uh, a couple of pieces to Sean Elliott, et cetera, to add depth at safety. Uh, but for me, the front seven, we could really use with some extra depth. So that means either grabbing a linebacker at some point, an extra defensive lineman. And if you get somebody that's versatile, that can play at any of the three points in the front three, somebody like Tavai, that's the kind of thing that I would look at. Uh, so he's a former rugby player, um, played a lot of rugby. Uh, and the, the cons with him is, is his measurements. So the fact he is undersized, doesn't have the longest arms, could kind of get wrapped up by offensive linemen, that sort of thing. Um, but upside, he's got really low center of gravity, can hold his own. Um, and I think he's somebody that could offer us a little bit of depth, a little bit of grit on the defensive line. And again, you know, we paid Vic Fangio all this money, so we should be adding a few pieces for him and building around his defensive scheme, which is totally different from the scheme that we have been running with Boyer previously. That was a lot of blitz packages, sending a lot of pressure, a lot of people coming off the edge, you know, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb playing off the edge a lot um and trying to get to the quarterback and and that's not what Fangio does he's not a blitz guy doesn't run a lot of those heavy packages or extending seven on third and 18 like that's not the sort of thing that he's going to do so we need to kind of adjust that defensively um but yeah he's a guy that I that I really do um that I see a lot of value in at least for kind of the sixth round yeah I'm looking at his stats right now and it's impressive I mean he's had 37 career tackles for loss 25 of those being sacks including 10.5 in 2022 Eight and a half yeah. in 2021. I mean, he he looks incredible looking at stats. And I'm, you know, if you told me these stats now, I wouldn't think he'd be going as low as a six. So if we can get him mm-hmm. in the sixth round, I think that it's one of those picks where it is low risk. You know, you, you get a guy most times you're expecting to miss. But I think yeah. everything you're seeing there, I mean, the potential there to get, you know, to get that, it, to get sort of a, a real gem in the sixth round is is there. And yeah. I think you mentioned Travis Dye. I mentioned early on rookies in fantasy football. Another guy I've taken in about two different leagues. He, <laughs> has, he's had um, yeah. just under, under 4,000 yards in his career. College with 30 touchdowns, including 16 touchdowns in 2021. And in yeah. he had over 1,000 yards rushing. So, yeah, I think if, say, if Jameer Gibbs goes, I would probably go offensive line in that second round, and then sixth round, I think maybe someone like him or someone of that similar nature, yep. I think it'd be good. Yep. Um, I was looking at two different positions. Um, first of all, offensive line, Ryan Hayes, um, a guy that okay. watching his highlights on the senior bowl and stuff like that, I think what's clear to see that he's a great pass blocker, but well, my worry mm-hmm. is with him that he's not the best run blocker. But I think if we're trying to protect Tua, I think pass blocking should be the biggest priority out of the two because I think that, you know, yeah. we, especially in the Mike McDaniel system, I think that um, to get to get that pass blocking right, I think it'd be good. My other guy is a wide receiver. And I think that whilst, you know, it's not a big area of need because you've got obviously Hill and Waddle, you've got Cedric Wilson, although he's not done much really Dolphins career, and then obviously Robbie Anderson on, on a one-year deal. But I think this guy, yep. future, if you can get him, I think it's good. I've gone for Wake Forest, A.T. Perry. Um, okay. That, again, I've loved watching his tape. And again, I mentioned another guy I've taken in rookie drafts. Uh, I mean, two 1,000-yard two seasons, um, just under three, the 2,662 yards in his college career, 28 touchdowns. Um, in 2021, he had 15 touchdowns, 11 in 2022. 
Um, I think that he's got a great potential to go deep, and I think he's good at that. I think his hands and his feet are really impressive. As I saw a lot of highlights where he would get these catches and he's and his his feet would stay in bounds and it's quite impressive stuff. But my one concern about him is his size. He is very skinny. I mean, I'm saying this from a guy who's only who's only eleven stone myself, but looking at <laughs> looking at the um he does look skinny. I think he need to bulk up if he wants to become an NFL like a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. But I yeah. think that potential alone, I think obviously he can work on his bulking his strength conditioning and all that. He can get that mm-hmm. sorted. But I think um, and I could even see maybe year one, maybe even redshirting, or maybe even just having very small amount of game time. But I think that for a guy who's impressive as he is on on tape, I think that if he's there in the sixth round, and we've already taken maybe a couple of offensive linemen, and I think yeah. that, um, I think absolutely he should be a guy we look for. Which then moves us on to round seven. Um, I went purely offensive line with this one. Um, I had three mm-hmm. in mind. Um, Jerome Carvin was one I thought of. And I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, but Richard Garage. But the guy I've gone for is a C. Okay. Richards um, out of North Carolina State. Um, he sort of mainly a tackle, but I think he's also played a bit of guard from what I read. Now, the stats are a bit misleading because YouTube highlights told me he had 1,049 snaps in 2022, with only three sacks allowed and a 75.5 pass blocking grade. But I looked up the NFL scouting grade, told me he allowed multiple, multiple quarterback hurries and pressures. So, Hard to know, but from what I saw in, in his highlights, again, um, you probably know more than me, but about college players. But from what I've seen on thing, again, there's another guy who looks a brilliant pass blocker, and I think that is that is the key for two. But yeah, that's sort of the guy I've gone for. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think there was 29, looking further into stats I looked at, um, he had four games in 2019. And had no quarterback hurries. So I think that is the potential there. And I think for seventh round pick again, one of those risk free picks. I think that if he's there, I would love to see that done. Uh but for you, yeah. Alex, um seventh round player, 238th overall. Which players were you looking at? Um, so just before we go into that, the AT Perry pick is really interesting. Um, you know, so six foot five, uh, and he's like two hundred pounds. So you're right, he is really kind of on the light side. The question with AT Perry is like, well, what's he gonna be good at? Because he's so at six foot five as a late round pick, you need to come into the NFL and win as a jump ball specialist, right? And if you've got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you're going to have AT Perry as an ex receiver, maybe on the backside, who's going to be going deep, you know, and, and aiming to win one on one against a corner or a safety. That, that would be the plan for him. That's what I see him doing early on. But he struggles with his release. He's undersized. He doesn't have the power for somebody of his size. Like he kind of gets knocked off the ball a little too easily. And these are the reasons that he's a late-round pick. So, you know, picking him in the sixth round is absolutely fine. But at that size, if he was 230 pounds and was win jump balls, then you're looking at a day-two pick at the very lead, at the very lowest. So he's a really interesting he's an interesting player. I studied his tape in a, in a project I was doing for the wide receivers. And it was kind of frustrating to watch him because he does have the size to be like that prototypical X receiver in the NFL, but he just needs to kind of figure out who he's going to be. And if he's going to be that, and he, like you said, he needs to probably put on 20 pounds in the NFL. Um, and if you're looking at a six foot five guy that's 225, then suddenly that's a far more interesting option than somebody who's barely 200 pounds at that size. So, you know, needs to work on his separation and route running and stuff. But again, like you said, if he comes in and doesn't play in year one, He's the sort of guy that maybe you take a flyer on and then if he turns out to be a great X receiver, fantastic. Because that would really give us something to kind of move Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle around with a lot of speed, a lot of stuff coming over the middle, a lot of play action. 
And then an extra receiver on the backside that the defense also needs to be aware of as a deep threat or as a jump ball specialist or as a red zone threat or something like that. So yeah, definitely a really interesting pick, but um, my seventh round pick uh, would be, uh, so I would go for Charlie Thomas, who is a linebacker out of uh, Georgia tech. Um, He had 48 tackles in 2022, two sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, kind of a little bit of a do it all guy. Uh, the reason that he's not really got kind of the weight to 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 be picked any higher in the draft is because it's it's difficult to pin like what he's going to be. So he's got great athleticism, real speed guy, can kind of get side to sideline to sideline in a hurry, can track down the football, you know, be around the football a lot of the time. Uh, that kind of guy is a good coverage linebacker, got a really high motor, plays the game really aggressive. He's one of those like one of those players where you kind of put the tape on and. And you can tell he wants to be there. Like, he's a lot of fun to watch. Like, he's, he's trying to earn a place at the next level sort of thing. Um, but scouts and, and and the like don't know where he's going to play. Is he going to be kind of a middle linebacker? Is he going to be an outside linebacker? He's not much of a pass rusher. He can't shed blocks or anything. So he's not really going to come. And in a 3-4 scheme, you can't play the outside positions like Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips if you can't shed blocks. So he doesn't really fit in there. But he is the sort of guy with a motor like that that would be dominant on special teams. So if you're talking round seven and you get a linebacker that can play special teams and give you like that third string depth uh, at the linebacker position for Vic Fangio, then that's the sort of thing that I would be on board with. And and, and in round seven, unless you're taking a punt on a quarterback or something like that, I just think you want to look for guys who can help on special teams and maybe force a fumble here and there. And that's, that's the sort of thing that I would be looking at. There was one guy that really jumped out to me that, and and this is a little bit of an outside the box one, but um, the UCLA quarterback, uh, Dorian Thompson, Dorian Thompson Robinson um, had the most frustrating college career, like, because he's got, so, so he is a dual threat quarterback who's got all the tools this guy can throw the football 65, 70 yards, like no problem. He can run. He's got great legs. Like he's a really athletic looking quarterback. Um, good size. He's tall, but he just, it just never quite got it right at UCLA. And I think he played five seasons and it was like every year it was like, this is going to be the year that he, that he kind of jumps off the page. This is going to be the year. And he was a great high school quarterback. He was in the elite 11, you know, where all the best quarterbacks go to coming out of high school. Um, but, but I don't know, like the Dolphins might be, the, you know, and, and I know teams are susceptible to kind of taking quarterbacks in the seventh round. You never know what they're going to be, right? We're talking about Brock Purdy, Bailey Zappi, those kind of guys, you know. And and like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm a huge tour guy, but maybe the Dolphins just swing the bat on the, uh, with a seventh round pick at a QB that has the tools at the next level and you get him into camp and he competes for the third string QB role and maybe gives you something a little bit different, you know. Like with, if you're looking at the 49ers, you, they went from Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a stand in the stand in the pocket quarterback without much mobility at all, which is pretty much what Tua is. You know, he can move if you want him to, but he's a he's a pocket presence quarterback. And they went for Trey Lance, who's literally the opposite of that. Can throw the ball from the pocket, but he likes to move, likes to get out in space, and and he can run. So if we had two very different QBs. Dorian Thompson Robinson could maybe come on the field in, in a package or, you know, you never know with a seventh round pick on a QB, it's just an outside shot. Like it could be something that maybe they look at um, in the, in the late round, you know, you, you could throw a seventh round pick at anything really. So it's just maybe an interesting storyline because you know, that Dolphins fans would be like, I told you they didn't believe in Tua. They've drafted a QB, blah, blah, blah. Whereas it doesn't mean anything in the seventh round. Right. But you know, that's maybe who knows.
Yeah, I mean, what was your take on uh, Caleb Williams doing workouts with Hill and Waddle, I think it was? I mean, he's a guy that is seen by many as being the first overall pick next year and being the best next year. prospect since Lawrence. But obviously, yeah. unless something goes horribly wrong, we're going to be nowhere near that first round. Obviously, you've given two where we're exercising the option, so the faith is there. But what's your take yeah. on it? Do you think it's just he just knows him, he's got contacts? Or would you put any sort of um, worth behind those those images of them working out? I mean, if, if Chris Greer was there or if Mike McDaniel was there and they're looking at this together, then absolutely. But wide receivers work out with quarterbacks that they don't play on the same team as all the time. It happens all the time. Like just they'll have, you know, like and, and these wide receivers that have no issue with supporting other QBs. You see that happen all the time as well. You know, like there are wide receivers that play for other teams that are actively seeking a new contract for Lamar Jackson because they want to see a, a player that they get on with or that they respect get paid. And, and naturally, these NFL players are going to respect the great prospects coming out of college. But that doesn't mean that they want to replace the QB that they have. You know, it just, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle likely work out together all the time anyway. And sometimes you just need a QB that can throw. And the QB wants to work out and the wide receivers want to work out and they come together and they work out together. It happens all the time. You know, Justin Jefferson doesn't just work out with Kirk Cousins. You know, like if he wants to go and work out with other QBs, he's going to do that. The reason this is such a story is because, you know, you're not going to pick the depth wide receivers working out with a quarterback from who is the third string QB at Oregon State. You know, it's because it's Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and Caleb Williams is the number one prospect. It's just the mashup of the two creates a storyline. That doesn't mean that the Dolphins are going to tank this season so they can draft him. It doesn't mean they're out on tour. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that there's a QB that needs a workout and wide receivers that need to run some routes. And they're two combined. It's, you know, initially Tom Brady and Judy... Anisha, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman, who work together and only together, seem by the by the looks of it, it's just it happens all over the country. But it's it's Dolphins fans and the media cannot help but create a storyline that's for some reason is crapping all over Tua. And I just I've never understood it. He's he's not a loud mouth. He's not like Baker Mayfield or somebody who's going to come onto the podium or at a news at a press conference and say something crazy. Or you know he's not going to make predictions and promises he's not like he's not going to come out and say i'm going to win the mvp this year or i'm going to throw for five thousand yards he barely says anything so the fact that people get on him at all is you know he could have easily come out and talked all this crap about the brian flores era about the offensive scheme about how things weren't working like some of these other qbs do you know some of the qbs in the nfl are more than willing to speak out about the offense and about like aaron Rodgers, like you know things that are not working out they're taking jabs at the franchise Two has been through hell and back with the Dolphins and he's not done any of that, but it's just the way that the media have decided to go with him. They just, you know, they've decided that he's going to be the villain for some reason. And because it just creates a story and that's, and that's, that's what it is. You know, Caleb Williams is a phenomenal talent. Like he's, you know, he's got all the tools, like five tool player can, can absolutely do everything that you would want an NFL quarterback to do. But so did Jamarcus Russell. So, you know, it's, we just, we just don't know. We don't know what that's going to look like. Um, and like you said, I hope we're nowhere near able to draft Caleb Williams next year. And we do have to figure it out. I do think this is a really important year for Tua. Like he, he does have to, if he only plays five games and he's injured again this year, the Dolphins are absolutely going to have to consider alternatives. Like they have to. 
you know, whether that's a sturdy backup and bringing in somebody like, I don't know, Kirk Cousins, who's coming off of a, off of a contract and just looking for a team or Jimmy Garoppolo, that kind of, you know, mid tier quarterback that could, that could play a starting role if you wanted them to like, this is a really important year for Tua, but that's why I was talking about the offensive line in, in such a desperate way, because that absolutely has to be a priority because if we put in a third string right tackle as the start of this year and Tua gets hurt in week three, that's not Tua's fault, but it is going to hinder the franchise for the next several years because Tua's out for the season. Now we have all these question marks again. Tua might be forced into retirement. What do we do there? We're not bad enough to draft a top t- top tier quarterback in the draft. And then we're back to tanking so that we can be a good team again. And we've gone all in. So this is what I'm saying. We go all in with Jalen Ramsey, Tyreek Hill, all these players that we're bringing in. We're a win now team. You can't leave a gaping hole at right tackle because that you're in trouble. So I don't know. I just hope he's healthy this year. Yeah, me too. I think it's, you make all good points. And I think that um, going back to the whole thing with two, I think that it just shows how both him and Baker reacted so differently to the Sean Watson rumours. Uh, two yeah. had months and months of people saying they were going to draft a Sean, sorry, trade for the Sean Watson it took. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I defend Baker, but it took him what's it one only one day before he requested a trade and put all that on social media. Yeah. I think yeah. too shown tremendous resilience in his time in the NFL, and I think that provided he can stay healthy, I think that will help him massively um, for the rest of his career. Uh, but that we all end it there. Um, just to recap our pick, so round two, I went for Jameer Gibbs and Alex looked at either Jawan Jones, Luke Whipler, or Jack Campbell. Round three, uh, I went for Tucker Craft. Whereas Alex went for TJ Spears. Sixth round, I went for either A.T. Perry or Ryan Hayes. Whereas Alex looked at Jonah Tavai, uh, the defensive lineman from San Diego mm-hmm. State. And finally, round seven, pick 238. Uh, I went for C. Richards and um, Alex went for Charlie Thomas. Um, but yeah, um, that is the end of our NFL draft special on the Finnish Nation UK podcast. Um, before I do go, Alex, um, how can people find you on social media? So I am Alex NFL all day on Twitter um, and currently rebuilding my website, uh, like you mentioned at the beginning. So I run Undrafted, which is a sports kind of blog that I've been running for a few years. I'm a freelancer, so I do a lot of kind of work in other places as well. Uh, I work with Betway a lot, so on kind of predictions and stuff, and I'm doing a lot of draft stuff at the minute, but having my website rebuilt this year, so I'll share all of that once it's kind of up and running. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'll be talking about the draft all weekend. It's the best week of the year, so I'm really looking forward to it. It's like Christmas for me. I just love seeing who goes where, and then obviously afterwards there are hundreds of picks to analyze and go through, look at best fits, worst fits, which teams did well, which teams didn't. You know, who's going to have the biggest impact this coming season, what it means for fantasy football. There are just so many new threads to talk about after the NFL draft. So really looking forward to that. Going to talk about it a lot on socials and we'll talk about the Dolphins picks as well. But um, yeah, appreciate you having me on. It's nice to talk to uh, Finns Nation as well. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, before you go, just want to say thank you once again to Jez Granger for the theme music and to Wayne Carlard for the podcast logo. In terms of our next episode, I am in Thailand for three weeks on, as of Monday, so there'll be a little bit of a break on the podcast, but our first episode back is a very special one. I'm not naming the name yet, but if you listen to our um, all-time team episode with me, uh, and Andy Dimmock, you know that we both picked our all-time Dolphins 11s, uh, both on offense and defense. And 
we are going to hopefully, provided no cancellations, have one of the players we had. I think there are about seven or eight players we've both had in our teams, and one of them should be coming on our podcast after the our little break. So that is one to look forward to. We will give you more updates near the time. Um, we will obviously do a QA and uh, post about a week before. Um, so that should be a good one when this guest comes on. It'll be a great one to have on. So, yeah, looking forward to that. In the meantime, this has been the Finch Nation UK podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Alex, and we will see you guys next time.